The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 7 with James Ashcroft. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Uh, welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast. Today we have on Doctor of Physical Therapy, board certified in orthopedics, uh, James Ashcroft. He uh, owns his own practice in Massachusetts. I'll let him tell you where. It's called Tour Physio and Performance. Um, I've known James for a little bit now. He's been a great friend and mentor and just getting me started in, in the golf business and fitness and everything along those lines. So I'm really super excited to have him on. James, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Thank you for having me on, my friend. It's great to be here. Great. Um, if you don't mind, we'll just start with, why don't you just give everyone a little bit of background on yourself? Sure. Uh, so I've been practicing for over seven or eight years now. I'm trying to remember why I'm back the clocks. Uh, I started my own physical therapy and golf performance practice about two and a half years ago and went full-time in it, I believe, a year and a half. Uh, I'm located in Easton, Massachusetts, uh, where we've got a bunch of crazy golfers and, and nutcases like myself. Uh, and I focus on anything from rehab to fitness, performance, uh, kind of the whole spectrum with, within the golf industry. Excellent. Why don't you, how long have you been doing your own uh, practice, James? I think it's, it's, about, it's about two and a half years. I believe I started in October of 2017. Okay. Um, and, uh, kind of, uh, didn't jump quite all in. I went from working a little per diem after I left my current job and started going like kind of 50, 50, and then kind of got the, uh, the nerves and the courage to go full time in, uh, September of 2018. Okay. Excellent. I want you to just give us a little background on how long you've been golfing. Cause you're a pretty good golfer. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm not great. Uh, I've been golfing since I was uh, 12 or 13. I, I can't remember exactly. I think it was 12, uh, right when the tiger craze started going on. And I just remember going and chipping in my front yard and had a couple friends that kind of got me introduced into the game. And they, the first club I ever hit was like a 10 iron. It was like one of those like ratty old wedges, wedge handles with like cord on it. Um, and I just like fell in love with it. So I've been playing since I was 12. I played high school golf and I was not a good high school golfer whatsoever. Uh, we had like eight or 10 guys on our team and I was consistently the sixth or seventh guy at best. Um, but I just had a blast. I enjoyed it. Um, and I've been playing pretty, pretty hardcore ever since I kind of graduated um, undergrad in 2010 and have gone all the way from shooting in the high nineties to eighties, now into the seventies. And uh, now I love trying to compete and play semi-competitive golf on the amateur level. Excellent, man. Well, today uh, I wanted to chat about one of the biggest things that most people deal with, not just in everyday life, but especially golfers, uh, which is low back pain. And we can categorize that in many different ways. Um, but why don't you just tell us your experience uh, with working with golfers? Doesn't necessarily have to be with golfers, but working with people with low back pain. Yeah. So, you know, I think the first thing is we just see it so much as physical therapists in the clinic golfers or not it is one of the most if not the most prevalent thing that that really hinders people and sets people back and uh, i went through a bout of my own pain playing golf 
back in 2013 or 14. I was playing a ton of golf and I kind of, I was bending over treating a patient and I got like the knife stabbing knife pain in my back and almost went to the floor. My patient was like, you okay? What's going on over there? I'm like, I'm fine. Um, and you know, it's one of those things that you just see so many people as you go across and you play more golf and you meet more people. Uh, everyone has a story about something, a nagging knee, a nagging hip, but back comes up a lot. Back stiffness, taking the two or three Advil before they play, pain in the morning, all that stuff. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm most passionate about. It's one of the most prevalent things we see. And um, it seems to be the thing that hinders people the most because there's a lot of bad information out there that people absorb and, and get. And then uh, it can really delay or hinder their their ability to recover uh, more quickly and get back to the course. Right. Yeah, I think there's some sort of stat out there, like 80 to 90% of just adults. I'm not sure if it's just in America or the world will experience some sort of bout of low back pain at some point in their life. Um, just like you, I've experienced some low back pain, not necessarily with golfing, but I've gotten a few bouts of back spasms and man, it just grabs you and takes your breath away and it's just not fun. Eventually yeah. it goes away, right? But um, sometimes it just takes a little bit longer than you like. Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't, if you haven't experienced it, you're a unicorn probably right now. Yes, yes. And I would say a lot of people, especially as they get older, they start to have this kind of stiffness or soreness in the low back. And that could be due to lots of reasons. Um, but one thing too, is that I think a lot of people don't realize that that's somewhat normal as we're kind of getting older. Um, you know, you're not, you're not the spring chicken you used to be anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think it comes down to either as we age, we, we, sh our priorities shift. And I'm even seeing that myself as now just becoming a new dad. But as I've seen so many clients in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, priority shift around work, around family, grandkids, you name it. And oftentimes the shift gets away from some of the things that made them feel good when they were younger and all the activities they were doing when they were younger. So you just slow down. You, maybe you're not focusing on your nutrition as much. You're maybe just not spending as much time being active. Um, so all those things that keep us going and feeling good at our age, uh, you can let go of when you get older. And, and that is compounded by the fact that our tissues change and other things happen as we get older as well. That's such a good point. You know, um, as, as, as we get older, priorities change and I'm sure you're, you're experiencing it now, just like you said, as your new dad. Um, but why don't we talk about a little of the more specific things that kind of contribute to low back pain in golfers, at least in your experience, what you've seen. Sure. Um, when we start with young, old, both, all of uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anything, anything. Okay. You know, I think the first thing is this is the least sexy of the of the reasons. I'm going to start with the least sexy because I think it's the most important, um, and then we can get we can dig into the golf specific stuff uh, because uh, as golf nuts, we all want to kind of find the edge and competitive edge and find the other reasons why we have pain. But the least sexy part of, of pain is that we're just not taking care of ourselves and our health, uh, which is not sleeping well. We're not getting out and getting consistent exercise. We might just be at the desk way too much. Um, we're not changing positions enough. We're not keeping moving. And, and the way that our disc is set up, our discs are set up in our back, we need movement to hydrate and get things in and out. And, and if we're not being active, we're not helping that. If we're not sleeping well and taking care of ourselves in just a general wellness sense, we're not helping that. And that's where I think most people have the first bit of the problem. And then the second piece from a golf standpoint, again, the least sexy of all the golf pieces is just not playing, is, is playing too much or is not managing reps, volume, load. So you get three nice days in a row and you've had some stiffness before. Maybe you're already noticing some stiffness or some changes. You have three beautiful days in a row. Like we're just getting out of quarantine and we want to go play golf. And you go play, you go walk 18 holes, three rounds in a row because carts aren't available or what have you. 
and all of a sudden it's like the last time you did that was three years ago you're setting yourself up for a position where you're creating on more load and taking on more risk you might be fine but some cases you may end up spiking that uh load versus recovery kind of graph in the wrong at the wrong end and you start getting some breakdown that you don't recover from you get some aches and pains so those you know the general health stuff and wellness stuff and the overuse stuff are by far the two biggest things. And if you've worked with, I mean, working with tons of golfers, you see all kinds of quirky swings, all kinds of funky motions, different positions that you don't, you're like, that could really hurt. That doesn't look so great. And you, and, and you might see it with other things, in it, whether it's other mechanical things with running or other sports, but you see all kinds of form variations that you look like, well, that's not ideal or that's not perfect, but really load volume intensity and recovery drive most of those things, even if you don't get into great positions. Then the positional stuff and all the mechanical things play a huge role once, you, once you've optimized recovery and all that stuff. If, if you're now playing at a really high volume, but you have a couple, you get too much side bend, too much uh, extension or backwards bend in your swing, extra rotation that you don't really have, um, or maybe too steep on, on your downswing where you're getting too much ground or you name it. There's like 8 million of them. We can talk about all of them if you want today, Joe. i got time. Um, then those things become more important um, once you've kind of covered the other pieces. But the other pieces of recovery and, and general wellness are number one, training volume and load, number two. And then you can work on the mechanical pieces uh, to take some load off. And in specific instances, depending on the type of injury someone might have, then the swing characteristics are much more important. But I find that it's more of the other stuff first and then the swing characteristics second. I think all of those first things that you had mentioned, the things that aren't sexy, right, that have nothing to do with your golf swing or anything along those lines, like, like you said, taking care of yourself, just eating better, moving better, sleeping better, all of those things are pretty much the low-hanging fruit that I would say that most people could really grasp onto and see a dramatic improvement not only in – their game but also just their well-being overall off of the course right um and why don't you just go a little bit into some of those things that you work on um i know you mentioned just the topics there but you know if if someone needed some better sleep or was looking to move better because i most people sit a lot of the time again we're still in quarantine we're just getting out people are still sitting a lot i've been sitting a lot more um, and I find myself that, you know, I got to move around a little bit more. What, what are the kind of things that you give to people or tell them, you know, to help and get those things a little bit better? Yeah. So, you know, from the movement start, the standpoint, uh, it can really vary. It depends on the athlete and the person or the adult. I always, I always ask um, my clients, what is the one thing that you can see yourself doing and doing consistently? So for them, that might be standing up every 30 minutes and just walking around for a minute. Some people, it might be going out for a 10 or 15 minute walk in the morning, going for a cycle, doing a yoga class, um, doing a, you know, we give out mobility and flexibility stretches and guides all the time, you know, doing something like that consistently in the morning. It depends on the person, but there's not, there's not really one go-to or, or one great thing or one terrible thing. I just want to keep people moving in from the day-to-day -day standpoint. So we just provide solutions or ideas or alternatives to some things that they're already doing. You know, for people that don't have issues with, uh, you know, back pain, it's worse with standing and walking. I love getting people walking and moving. Um, if people have other recreational tasks they like, it, they enjoy that are just outside and moving, great, do that. Um, if you need to do, if you need something more kind of like uh, structured, yeah, take a 15 or 20 minute mobility or flexibility routine and get moving. 
Um, I'm all good with any of those things, fitness class, you name it, you do it, just stay moving. Um, from a sleep standpoint, we kind of cover four different things. Um, the first being, we just kind of take an intake of what they're currently doing, how consistent they are, and then figuring out, because one of the biggest things I think with sleep is routine. And if you're going to bed at nine some nights, then 11 others, 1 a.m. the next, and then 10.30 the next, your body is just all over the place. So creating a consistent bedtime routine or nighttime routine is really important. Uh, figuring out where their optimal, what their their optimal level of sleep is. For most people, it's somewhere between seven and nine hours. You know, most people don't do well over the long run with six or six and a half hours of sleep. Uh, you just start getting these things under your eyes <laughs> and all that other stuff. So it's, you know, and, and one of the things you do to supplement that, right? Whether it's get get rid of your screen time, take TV out of the room, take the phone out of the room. You know, they're they're not again, they're not sexy things, but they're little things that you suggest. And they can go a long way. And, and with anybody that's been with pain or injury before, if you start getting less sleep, all those stress hormones and all those other things get way funky in your body. And it typically perpetuates your pain cycle and, and your pain intensities up. And you just feel like you get more and more beat up. So it's, it's super, super important. I think the two big takeaways there um, for anyone who was just listening basically is to one, pick something that you like to do and just move. And move often throughout the day, basically. And then two, you know, in terms of sleep, just create that routine. Um, we've talked about that before already, but um, on the show, but creating that routine is what really gets you into a good habit and gets you into uh, a routine for your body itself so it can repair itself at night while you sleep. Sleep is one of the most restorative things that you can do for your body. And like you said, if, the, if, it's, if it's off, all those hormone levels that are basically not good or we don't want them to be too high or not getting regulated appropriately, basically. Why don't we talk a little bit more on the more technical things in terms of like, say the body yeah. um, that can affect or contribute to some of the low back pain that golfers experience. Sure. I, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. The, the low, the low hanging fruit with the golf specific side of things is our rotary centers. That's our upper back. That's our hips. Those are the two two really big ones for people. Um, but the second or the second two that I go to are the shoulder and the neck. So those are your four big rotary centers. You can check down at the ankle. You can look at the knee a little bit. There's, there's a little bit less inherent motion at the knee, obviously a little bit more at the ankle. Um, and so we go through just our screen and just see if there's anything that's super deficient. And then let's figure out once we've seen the screen and how they move, how does it look in the swing, right? The, the two, align do they not align so you can kind of figure out if someone's robbing peter to pay paul in their swing or if their swing is reflective of how their body moves and it's just some limitations around that so hips upper back neck shoulders gotta get them moving can you go a little bit into um robbing peter to pay paul just for people who may not understand kind of what you're talking about i have an idea but um some people may not understand yeah, what that means yeah our body, when we're looking at our, our rotary centers, we're looking to get a fair amount of rotation from our hips and our upper back. Let's just use those two for now. They're the simplest. And for every golfer or anybody that's in a rotary sport needs to have motion or will do best to have motion from those two centers. So let's take a right-handed golfer with, uh, let's say, a left hip limitation, a lead hip limitation. We want to rotate into our left hip into our downswing. If our left hip doesn't move very well, doesn't allow us to rotate into an optimal impact position. You're going to see 
probably three things happen. There's a lot, but let's just go with three. Um, you're going to either see that lead foot spin out. You're going to see a lot of torque on that knee, or you're going to see uh, extra stress at the low back. Uh, basically, once the hip stops moving, everything below above is going to have to absorb load some way. And it's just a matter of how much and how your body does it. Uh, and if you do that enough over time, with again, without the recovery pieces, you can lead to some breakdown. Most most often, I see that at the back and at the ankle. You don't see it as, as in the lead knee as much, but you do see it. So that's kind of the, the principle, right? If, if one body part's not moving well, your brain still knows what position you need to get into to get the club on the golf ball. And your body will try and find a way. We in the medical world will call it a compensation. Your body will try and find a compensation to get in that position. And uh, over time, that can build up tissue stress. And if the tissue doesn't recover, then eventually it does lead to pain. And then you have to find ways to modify your activity, maybe even modify your swing to take load off uh, of that body part. Right. So one other thing too that um, that James is talking about, right? Um, there's kind of a theory or, or a framework that people go off of um, that we have like an alternating set of mobile mobile points in the body, which would be more of like the mid back and the hips, like James is talking about, and then that's offset with stable parts. And so typically the low back should be a stable part and shouldn't really be rotating. When we look at kind of the anatomy of the spine, the lumbar spine or your low back isn't really designed to rotate. It'll rotate a little bit, but not very much. And so like he's saying, if your body will take the path of least resistance every time. So, and unfortunately the path of least resistance usually isn't the most optimal in terms of movement mechanics, basically. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about, let's say a golfer is having acute pain. Let's say, let's say they're going to go out today. Today's their round. They wake up, they're excited. They have a tea time, nine o'clock. They wake up, but they have some like acute pain that they just got in their low back. Essentially they, they got up, they bent down to touch their toes to kind of stretch a little bit. And they felt that kind of little grabbing or pulling sensation in their back. What would you kind of suggest to them? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, that's a tough one. Too. Also loaded. I apologize. Very <laughs> yeah, loaded question, man. Yes. Uh, um, about seven questions. I'd probably ask that person right after that. Um, it really depends on kind of what are the things they're probably experiencing, obviously. And, and Joe, you know that too. Um, you know, I would say this is the challenging part within the healthcare world of being maybe being overly cautious versus and, and restrictive on somebody versus being be free and kind of not giving people too much restriction. You know, you gotta dig deeper just to figure out kind of what's going on, get them walking around, get them performing some other movements. If the pain kind of is stabilized or gone away, then you kind of just yellow light, proceed with caution, try and make some small swings, make some wedge shots. How do you feel? If you feel good, then it's proceed with caution and play around a golf. Uh, I'm, more, I'm more apt with that kind of person. I get a little, you know, you can get a little funky with wondering exactly what they twinged in that moment. And sometimes you don't know for a couple of days exactly what it is based on the structures mechanically. Um, so I tend to be a little bit more conservative with that person if it's a more of an acute issue, because then you can let the dust settle and you can get a better feel for what's going on. On like kind of more of the, if we like shift to like the chronic side, chronic stiffness and aches and pains, you can typically be a little bit more liberal with how you proceed with them, or I, I certainly am. That, that way, then it's just really encouraging a good warm-up routine. If people have certain preferences for movement, so depending on what 
direction causes your pain for folks that have issues bending forwards or bending forwards or squatting, tying their shoes, pulling up their socks, you name it. Have them do some backward bend movements if they respond to that and have them do some alternative movements and then go and if they can uh, without pain versus most of my older golfers have a lot of issues bending backwards, walking, standing up tall. And then it's just a lot of getting them moving through the hips and the low back in a, in a way that promotes them actually bending and opening up and then going to play and limiting or limiting how much time they're spent bending backwards. So in their swing, that could be um, kind of reverse C um, or reverse spine angle. So, you know, when they're taking the club back, are they extending back towards target or when they're finishing or they're leaning back and you want to take those things out. Um, but the acute question, Joe, that's a tough one, my friend. <laughs> that's not an easy one to answer. It is not. No, I apologize. I wasn't trying okay. to set you up for failure at all. And I know you're thinking with your uh, healthcare cap on. Yeah, man, my healthcare has I can't, I can't no, it's it's hard to take it off, right? There's like you said, there you probably asked that person seven different questions to see a little bit more about that. Um, what would you focus on? You had mentioned a warm up um, for someone with a little bit more chronic low back pain. I would, you know, even probably just for anyone that's ready to go play around a golf. Um, what would you kind of suggest in terms of a warm up for someone who has, you know, some low back issues either in the past or currently? What would be maybe more of a little bit of a structured warm up for them? So I think you can you can break it up in a lot of ways. I I typically go small movements first, um, and you can go feet up or head down. I don't mind which. Um, so you can start if I start head down. Uh, so yeah, if I start top down, I'm going through a little bit of shoulder circles. I'm going through um, a little bit of uh, maybe bending side to side with my club overhead. I'm going through depending on the age and maybe other health history. Um, we'll start going through some like kind of standing and marching. I go through, I like doing mini band work, get the hips going a little bit. I find that's a safe and simple um, drill for a lot of golfers. And you can just put one in your bag. So I like doing a little bit of hip warm up. And then you kind of you go bigger movements, right? You can go squats, you can go lunges, you can go uh, general rotation, um, just like standing, rotating side to side. Um, and then for my younger golfers, then we go into power movements. I, I like doing like three or four vertical jumps or split squat jumps um, before they go tee off as well. Um, depending on your age, I think that's kind of, and maybe other injuries, if you've had knee injuries or you had a knee replacement, there's certain things we wouldn't have you do. But start small, get little body parts moving, get the shoulders moving, circles, side to side, um, get kind of hips moving, standing and marching, little, maybe a little balance, squats, bigger movements, and then rotate, and then just start swimming the club. I think you don't have to complicate it. I think you can do a nice warm up in seven to 10 minutes. There's a million really, really good things to do. So as if you're listening to this podcast or seeing us live today, you, you find things that resonate with you and then try them and then and then see how it affects your performance. Uh, movement is critical. Warm-up is critical. You don't see anybody in the NBA just come out of the bench and just go play. You don't see it in soccer. You don't see it in tennis. You don't see it in any other sport. I, even bowling, I'm pretty sure they warm up and get moving. Uh, you know, golf, we're athletes. You got to move and you got to take care of yourself. And if you want to have – your, your best swing or one of your better swings be off number one and not number seven, you got to keep moving. And warm up. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like you said, other athletes get warmed up before they get started. And a lot of times we get to see that on TV, you know, whether we're watching football or basketball or even hockey, sometimes, you know, we see them out there doing stretches, doing different movements. A lot of times we don't even get to see them. Some of them work out before the game even starts um, or even after the game. Unfortunately for golf, we don't ever get to see that they're in the, they're in the fitness trailer and they don't ever advertise any of that. We only see them on the range swinging 
or you know teeing off essentially so i think that brings up a good point and it's all based on kind of what resonates with you everyone's different and you may not fit into a cookie cutter warm-up that you find online it just may not be ideal for you based on kind of your history and other things um that leads me to one of these other questions in terms of you had mentioned junior golfers let's just delve in that just a tiny bit because we're going to be talking about some um I'm going to be talking with someone else on some on junior junior golfers uh, coming up soon, but um, you know, young golfers get low back pain as well, especially with the amount of times that they're swinging and playing and different things. How do you kind of address those issues? And again, I know it's a little bit loaded question, but typically younger younger golfers are a little bit more mobile than uh, older adults. So how do you how do you kind of attack those? If anyone's listening that has a, a junior golfer in their family or has some kids that want to golf, yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it, so we'll, we'll still go back to the non-sexy stuff. It still comes down to load, volume, intensity. Um, and if you're playing other sports, a lot of kids are involved in lots of different sports. So you got to kind of look through the volume. Have you ramped up volume for competitive event and you're playing baseball and you're doing something else? Go through that, right? That's step one. Make sure that we haven't completely overloaded the athlete. Once we've gone past that part, uh, working with junior golfers, I mean, Joe, you absolutely got it. You, you more tend to have more hypermobility or extra motion from places. Um, some of the kids tend to have a bigger X, X factor, right? Differential between their upper and lower body and that X direction transition. A lot of kids let, just know they have to fire their hips. They fire their hips really hard. Their upper body is still kind of quiet at the top and they can get extra, extra stress there. And that can be an issue when you get uh, that much uh, rotation from your upper and lower body. Because your low, your low back is in the middle. Your low back has to rotate. And it's just if you're starting to rotate more than what your body is really capable of, when you start taking like elastic stretch of tissue, it can, it can start to kick back. Uh, the other thing I find with a lot of my younger golfers is, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but the ones that I've seen in pain, especially low back pain, has to do with typically swing faults. And the, one of the biggest swing faults is finishing an extension. Um, so they're leaned back and then holding their finish, but they're back like resting on their low back, on their joints. And so some of them, it's just simple instruction with a, with a certified professional. And all of a sudden, if they're posting more on their lead side and, and finishing stronger, they're not putting as much stress on their low back. Um, I also say volume and repetition is by far the biggest thing. Um, and then, yeah, some of maybe the everyone's trying to get stronger and get faster. And a lot of that comes with trying to get extra pelvic speed. And if they get too much separation, that can that can that can be a culprit. It doesn't have to be, but it can be a culprit for creating more pain for these kiddos. That uh, finish and extension that you're talking about is that more of just like that classic, like yeah, like kind of position. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, and and some of those some of those kids, you can literally change their pain just like that if you ask them to post on that left side as long as they can still make contact. Which you know sometimes they're compensating for something else to do it. But if they have good motion, and a lot of the kids do have good motion motion um in the lower body then they'll make it it's just patterning and it's working with the right pro and coach for them if there's restrictions we've talked about the hips being a big one if they have hip limitations then you want to work on those kids as best you can because those hip limitations aren't necessarily going away and they're going to only get a little stiffer as they get older and if they're looking to play competitive golf um or just play high school golf or collegiate golf whatever it may be um, or just want to play golf into their 40s that hip is going to still be there so trying to work trying to figure out you know, what little exercises and drills we can do to help them get moving as best as possible. Perfect. All right, James. Um, I just want to be uh, respectful of your time here.
but I have some fun questions at the end here that I didn't warn you about, but, um, <laughs> oh, great. no, they're good. They're good. They're, yeah. if you listen to 18 strong, this is kind of an ode to what Jeff yeah, does, sure. yeah. cool. um, yeah. but just a little bit different questions. Sure. Um, so what is your favorite course that you've ever played? Favorite course I've ever played. I'd have to say I haven't like, I haven't done tons and tons of traveling, but I went over to St. Thomas. I got it, and it was for someone's wedding, and I forget the name. I think it's Mahogany Run. Um, I mean, the course was the course wasn't perfect, but it just it was so beautiful. Being off the ocean, they have I think it's called like Devil's Triangle or something. Um, just three beautiful holes on the water, and the goal like they they do a promotion like if you don't lose one, if you don't lose a golf ball, like you get something. Of course, I, I, I of course I parred fifteen and sixty, and I dumped one in the water on the next hole, so I lost. Um, okay, great. Next question is you have a risky approach shot to the green. Are you going for it or laying up? I'm sending it, man. I'm going for it. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. You're the second person now who hasn't asked any context to the, to the shot. You know, I Everyone always wants to know what the situation I to, is. I didn't want to dig in too much. Listen, if it's, if it's like 265 over water to a par five, probably not sending it. But if I, if, if it's like, if it's doable, I want to, you know, if, if I think it's 50, 50 and it's not like my tournament life's on the line, I'm going for it. Nice. All right. You're going out for a round. Who is in your dream foursome? Oh, this is a good one. I actually had it like someone posted this the other day and I had to like really think about it. And I'm not sure I have, I'm not sure I have four, like right or, you know, three right off the bat. Tiger Woods is one of them. He has to be, um, he is my idol. He's the guy that got me into the game. Obviously, you know, he's gone through some a lot of personal stuff and shortcomings, but from a golf standpoint, he is, in my mind, probably the best that's ever played. Um, I'd love to play with Gary Player. I think he's got like a ball of energy. He's a fitness guy. So I think that would be a ton of fun. Um, and then from a from the third, I don't know who I would fill out my my foursome, to be honest. I'd probably want to have my dad come along for the ride. He's not a big golfer, but I think it'd be really cool for him to play with us and be with those guys. Nice. That would be awesome. Um, James, where can people get in contact with you or if they want to work with you or anything along those lines? Uh, yeah. So if people want to yeah, get in contact with me, you can reach out to me at james at tourphysiogolf.com. You can follow me on tourphysiogolf uh, on Instagram. Uh, I think those are the two big platforms that you can kind of reach out and connect with me. Um, and then, you know, I'll be happy to get back to you and, and touch base with you anywhere that I can. Excellent. And then we'll get those uh, linked up in the show notes eventually at some point. Um, all right, James, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for spending time with uh, me and everyone who's watching live. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. James is a great guy and an amazing clinician and coach. He brought up so many good points today. If you have ever dealt with low back pain, that apply to you, even if you aren't a golfer. Again, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. If you haven't already, it would mean the world to me if you could share this podcast with your friends and golfing buddies. That way we can continue to help as many people and especially golfers get healthier so they can play the game we all love as long as they would like. Appreciate you being a great person. Keep striving for excellence in everything you do because when you feel great, you golf great. <laughs>